Welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon. Yes, I love it. Right to the drop and boys. Today, we are going to recap UFC Fight Night Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. Let's just go ahead and hit it. Right off the top. Might as well just get it out of the way. We're going to hit it again too. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah. Also going to do a little recap of Bellator 296. Big week in uh, mm-hmm. combat sports in general. Also had PFL in there. Then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is main evented by Josh Emmett versus Ilya Toporia. Then, in honor of Father's Day, and from being from the Hoosier State, if we're being honest. Yes, sir. I think we've done it every year. Like I said, I know we did it last year. We're going to play a little Hoosier Daddy little trivia game Mm -hmm. gonna quiz these guys on their ufc dad knowledge and finally and per usual john's gonna have all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts uh and chris dacus as well uh john's always kyle dacus did just get his first one outside the ufc yeah he did cffc this past (laughs) saturday right about that but boys first how we doing episode 138 of the neon belly podcast or as some people are calling it, the number of significant strikes landed by Glover Teixeira on Anthony Smith episode of the Neon Belly podcast, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's true. It was a rough one it's, for Anthony Smith. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> Losing teeth and all sorts of stuff. He's had a couple rough ones. <laughs> yes, he has. Uh, I was just telling you guys before we hit record, we have so much to talk to you. As I mentioned there, so much going on um, in the world of combat sports. Um we got to talk to John Jones, Francis Ngannou. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Bellator, PF. I mean, just so much to get to. The UFC fights. Uh, plus, we decided to throw in a game. What was I thinking? Um, <laughs> but with that, Brandon, rate, sub, follow. Let the people know so we can get into this episode. Every week, guys, we ask you to do this. You can give us a follow. We have some social media. You can get us on TikTok, Instagram. We're on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can give, a f- give us a five-star review, a written review as well. We'll read it out on the podcast. And, yeah, just spread the love. Absolutely. Always appreciate that love. Boys, this past Saturday, UFC Fight Night, Jared Cannonier defeating Marvin Vittori via unanimous decision. And I'm going to say it, all righty. I was wrong. Brandon, you were wrong. John, you were wrong. And if you're listening, you were probably wrong, too. Um, because if we're being honest, we all thought this was going to be a five round snooze fest. All right. Uh, my pick was third round TK, but we all so. thought it, John, you, I have, I have the receipts. You messaged us last night. I'm really bummed that I'm sitting here at 1am watching this fight. Oh, that's because of time. That wasn't Before, because of the I, fight. I did literally message. This is going to be a five round snoozer. Like I, I literally, that. We, we I, all, everybody thought I will. But I picked third round TK. I'm just saying you were going for the hail Mary. I will give you that. Um, but instead, regardless, we're sitting here on Monday, um, and we're about to talk about a fight of the year candidate. I, I put it on the list. You made the list. I need to get Chris Jericho on the yeah. soundboard. Um, and we only have two on there. It's this and Islam versus um, Volk. Volk. Mm-hmm. So two, two-man two race right now. And this one was just nuts, man. Uh, Vittori coming out in round one. Instantly, almost instantly, ro- uh, wobbles Cannoneer. And then he was just all over Cannoneer in round one. Um, to me, going into that round two, in between the rounds, I was just like, oh, Vittori's about to run away with this. He looks sharper um, on the feet, a little bit faster, just Psych. more technical. 
And then round two happens, and Cannoneer just cracks Marvin Vittori early, and for about three and a half to four minutes, just proceeds to beat the dog piss out yeah. of Marvin Vittori. <laughs> um, and how any human being makes it out of that round is beyond me. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, Marvin Vittori may be the toughest guy and most durable fighter on this UFC roster. But it didn't stop there. Um, you know, how Vittori even made it through the fight alone is kind of beyond me. Uh, but the thing is, he was competitive, right, through mm -hmm. this whole thing and never stopped throwing and landing on Cannoneer. He had moments, even though he was losing these rounds, these later rounds, he still had flashes where you're like, oh, here it goes. Like, is this going to be it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but every round, like I said, pretty much ending with Cannoneer, just edging out the round and finding ways to win those closer rounds, which... Forget everything else. I think, to me, that's the most impressive part of this fight and this victory for Cannoneer. He did to Vittori essentially what I personally essentially thought Vittori would do to him. Mm -hmm. um, he just put the pace on him for five straight rounds, never let up, continued to walk him down, landing the bigger shots. Um, I also thought... Vittori uh, could have held an advantage in the takedowns if he needed it, uh, but it was Cannoneer who used the wrestling to help his bid in edging out these rounds with just beautiful level changes. Like, mm -hmm. what? This guy's almost 40 years old, and we're still <laughs> seeing these gains and improvements. And as impressed as I am with the durability and the fight of Vittori, I'm pretty shocked by the version of Jared Cannoneer that we saw last night, because where I think that was probably his best performance, I think he did it against who I think was the best version of Marvin Vittori that we've seen at least in a while mm -hmm. if not in the UFC period right uh, to me both guys really elevated here but ultimately the better man won in Jared Cannonier and what a win that was mm -hmm. yeah okay so to follow that up <laughs> Dude, I'm just like hey I'll hit it again man I was just like I think I just had such low hopes for this fight mm -hmm. yeah uh and just did not see that fight playing out the way it did. I mean, again, I'm sitting here blown away by Cannoneer, but just blown away by the toughness of Vittori. Um, and maybe it wasn't as, let me say this, maybe it wasn't as close um, as it seemed or felt, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, I think I was just like, what is happening right here? But yeah, I don't know. It, so great I, de fight. I definitely don't think it was as close. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was a very dominant performance, I would say, sure. by Cannoneer after round one. Um, but really, the, I guess the thing that surprised me aside from the wrestling was how beat up Marvin Vittori looked yeah. like he's been mm -hmm. beaten before he's been outstruck before but he's never worn damage like that at least not yeah. that I can remember that was tough. um yeah. still never been finished but yeah like his face at the end of that fight wow yeah. this Cannoneer carries some power yeah. um and you know he fought Izzy they both fought Izzy I mean and for Cannoneer to be able to land on him like that it just I don't know that would really surprise me because yeah. I don't think I've seen Vittori get pushed across the octagon like every other strike that was landed yeah. on him like that. So that really impressed me. And um, like Jared said too, man, he's just constantly trying to get better. Even after this, like wanted to show the diversity with his wrestling, um, show the strikes, the striking that he had because he didn't show it in the Izzy fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, man, I, I really loved what I saw from Cannoneer here. Um, I didn't expect it, but it all blew me away. Yeah. Um, and it makes me excited because like I was saying, you know, what with these guys, they were kind of in a weird spot. It's like, what yeah. do you do with them? But after mm -hmm. seeing that performance, it's like, okay, I'm excited for Jared Cannoneer now. Like, I want to see him again because that was fun to watch. I agree. Yeah, I think based off both of their last fights being, you know, decisions that they could have lost that weren't their best. And, you know, we've seen some of these sometimes with these guys when they get to the top and they lose a couple, maybe they kind of lose that edge or that fire or, yeah. you know, they just don't find that next level. And both of these guys were like, hey, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you kind of have to in this division now. With yeah. the the fact that Izzy is lap people, you have to show something that's going to make them be like, okay, well, let's see this again. And I think Jared Cannonier did a really good job for himself. I thought that 
Um, I, I do think that it wasn't necessarily as close of a fight, but the fact that Marvin wouldn't go away and still had a moment every round. Yeah. Usually these type of fights where you have like, you know, 49, 45s, like there's some 10, eight action happening there. I mean, he got hit like 90 times in that second round. Like, I don't know. I, at some point, I don't know how he survived. He was just stumbling around drunk in that second round yeah. and was able to stay up. Um, I did think Jared using the wrestling was big. Like I said during the breakdown, the leg kicks, uh, what got him caught in that first round was trying to go southpaw to hit that calf kick. And he kept on trying to go back to it for a little bit and was getting caught, and then he just got away from it, which was good for him. But Yeah, um, good mid-fight adjustment there to recognize that that wasn't working. So. Right, and I, I think that um, you know his corner did a really good job of keeping him uh, reminding him to use his footwork, not just get into this brawl. Because, uh, you know, I said it in the group, Vittoria might be the only person whose chin can make you a wrestler. Like, I've hit you so many times that I can't keep just swinging hard at you. I got to take you down and use, you know, ground and pound or control you and make you tired. And even that, you know, Vittoria's still there. Um, you do, you don't like to see that for Vittoria, though, you know, to get beat up, get hit that many times. A world record in the middleweight division for Jared Cannonier there. Um, so many strikes to the head. Like, that's not great for your longevity, but he's just, it's just kind of who he is. He's a dog who just can take punishment. And if you don't get him out of there, he's going to be there to the end. So I think Jared did a really good job. Obviously, he probably would have wanted to finish because. You know, like he even said in the post fight, Whitaker and Duplacy does seem like the title contender. So he'll have to, you know, kind of wait it out for that. But like he said, if anybody falls off or something and he's he can be ready, I think he's definitely put himself in that position. He did say that in the post fight, but good thing for you, I actually pay attention. And he said a little bit more in his presser, which we're going to get to. Um, that's now back to back wins for Cannoneer over Sean Strickland and Marvin Vittori, as John said. Um, probably well within his right there uh, to uh, ask for title or express title aspirations. Um, real quick, too, the record that John was saying, that was middleweight record for most significant strikes landed, um, which, you know, when you think about, you know, some of the strikes in this division like Israel Adesanya Anderson Silva right that's just a crazy and how many five round fights did Anderson Silva have right mm -hmm. and like go back to like that Damian Maya fight like fights where he's just same thing just beating the piss out of people right, right. <laughs> so uh, what a record to set there by Cannoneer um, however as John kind of mentioned there burying the lead as he always does I think I do know it's the winner we do know it's the winner of DDP and Whitaker next for Izzy I'd be shocked if we see Izzy before that fight but you never know you know that all like we kind of talked about a couple weeks ago right that australia card is coming up in september mm -hmm. and if the winner can't turn around maybe we do see a cannoneer slide into that however um i think cannoneer understands that um and probably knows he's not likely next so in his post fight john this is why you're working with the best be glad you are he submitted a challenge to hamzat shimaev and i mean just sign me up right mm -hmm. um the only other time we've really seen someone step up and call out hamzat was gilbert burns and you see how fantastic that fight was mm -hmm. so to me a guy like cannonier at his level uh to be willing to take that fight there's no way that's not a great fight right brandon did, you didn't like it instantly did he submit a challenge or did he just say if that fight gets me a title shot then i'll take it uh he essentially uh, essentially what he said was um, fact checking now John no, no, I watched the press if it's not a title fight he wants Hamzat next if not a title fight mm, okay 
I believe was like more the direct. I mean, quote. that's the best fight to keep you in that conversation. Yeah, you know, post whatever happens because I know uh, Whitaker got interviewed and said that as long as he's healthy, he's he's willing to do the turnaround for Sydney. I mean, I feel like anybody at this point, you know, that Izzy fight in Sydney is gonna be a big one. So it's just gonna be yeah, it's just gonna be an interesting if they can turn that or if whoever mm-hmm. wins that fight. I mean, because here's the thing, I think most people think Whitaker's gonna run through Duplessis, mm-hmm. and that's probably fair. And I think you know that. I don't. I haven't seen the odds, but that's. I think we could all probably sit here and think that's what we would guess is going to happen. But Drikus do play C. Whether he wins that fight or not is tough as nails, mm-hmm. and that fight could be an all-out five-round war. Whitaker. I mean, I hate to even speak this over that, but like Whitaker breaks his hand on do play C's head. I mean, you yeah. know what I mean? Like crazier things have happened, right? Uh, so. You never know, but mm-hmm. I mean, if you got a guy, Hamza, I mean, for whatever reason, has just been off the face of the earth. No mentions of a fight. I don't know what the deal is there. Um, I kind of wondered. You remember when Dana was talking about Hamza or uh, Izzy, and he was like, "Well, we got a plan for him." Mm-hmm. I loosely kind of wondered if that's what they were gonna do. I don't think that's the move, though. Well, they interviewed Izzy on that full sent or the Logan Pod Logan Paul podcast, and he said, "Well, isn't he fighting Kamaru?" Because they've had their exchanges on Twitter, and I don't know if he has an insight on that, but it hasn't been announced, obviously. So, mm. yeah, I have no idea. But like I said, if you have a guy in Jared Cannonier like Gilbert Burns who's willing to say, "I'll take that fight," even if the quote was more like, "If." It gets me a title shot or gets me back. I mean, we're gonna get to Corey Sanhagen and here in a minute. That's what you got. Like if, if that's mm-hmm. what you got to do to get back when you've lost, when you've had that shot and you failed. And I'm gonna say it because I can say it now, sitting here, is how impressed I am as Jared Kennedy. You failed really bad, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't great, and now you got to convince the brand and the brass to get you back in that spot. Go beat Hamzat Shimaev, man. Raise your hand. Be willing to take that fight. I think it's super smart by Jared Cannonier, and I hope he gets that fight because I do think it would be fantastic. I really do. There's the Abu Dhabi card coming up, man. I think you could definitely make that happen. And it would make sense in the timing as well because if we know Izzy, again, there's nothing confirmed, but if he's going to fight in September, I think the Abu Dhabi card, is it it in August or September? Or no, later. I think it was October. Maybe October, yeah. Yeah, That's what they're talking about for Islam. Sure, but even if Izzy fights in September and they fight in October... You're talking early next year. We right. can see that fight, and it's a it, like, like I said, I just think it's a good fight for Cannonier, and um, it'd be a great challenge for Hamzat as well at 185. Mm-hmm. Boys in the co-main event, Armand Sarukian defeats Joachim Silva via third round TKO. Uh, Silva proved to be a tougher test for Sarukian than I think Sarukian would have liked. Uh, he definitely showed some heart, dropped Sarukian big in the second round, um, and Sarukian was kind of in all kinds of trouble there Ooh, for a minute. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a little clinch butt time right there for Sarukian fans. Uh, but Sarukian came out in that third and was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Like We're, <laughs> we're going to put this to bed now. Really just dominated the fight as he should. Um, and I wonder, too, I told you guys in our group chat, is I wonder how much... Um, that left hand, that left hand that Joaquim Silva landed in that second round, came as a result of Saruki and maybe just feeling the pressure to finish, and he mm-hmm. was just really kind of going with it, you know, maybe not or going for it, maybe not being as defensively sound, you know, I don't know, um, but you could tell right from the beginning he wanted to finish this fight. Yeah. I mean, that was like his goal, and he and he knew he had to, right? Yeah, uh, and you can't fault him for how tough Joaquim Silva is, in my opinion. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that you know that's why I said. You know, when we were talking about this fight last week, like, you got to show up because these guys know these opportunities. And 
Silva was not playing with that. He was letting yeah. those bombs go. He hurt him a couple times, but the sequence you're talking about where he really rocked him, when you see that slow-mo, you know, Sarukian's eyes go out for a second. He yeah, was, he was hurt. And, you know, we talk about what when fighters get tired and hurt, they do what they know. And luckily for him, it's dropping yeah. down and grabbing the leg and you know, yeah. using his grappling because if he would have tried to stay standing up kind of like a Marvin Vittori, you know, if Silva keeps on landing that hand. It could have been really, really tough. But even the takedown defense by Silva was really impressive. Mm-hmm. For me. Like he got taken down a few times, but for the most part, he was able to. Well, I think it may have been once or twice per round, but he was able to get up fairly well in quite a few of those exchanges and really showed um, uh, preparedness for yeah. the grappling. So even that alone impressed me. And remember, Sarukian took down Islam Makhachev. So mm. this is a high level, right. high level grappler. I still think the ceiling, like I said, is extremely high. He said he wants to be number one contender, but I don't think that's realistic. Um, a couple of other names to consider here. Rafael Faiziv, who's currently without an opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benny Dariush, who's coming off the Oliveira loss. And lastly, Michael Chandler, who I believe is now without an opponent. As right. far as I'm concerned, he does not have an opponent currently. Um, so I think we can agree all three of those would be fantastic. But my question is, which of those three, um, if Sarukian were to win, would be good enough, in your guys' opinion, to get that next fight uh, for the title in the rematch with Islam Makhachev? So you said Chandler, Dariush, and... these Faiziv. I mean, those are just mine, just because you look at guys like, you know, Benny might... I mean, I don't know. He he didn't... It was over pretty quick. You know, he might not need as much time to turn around. Mm-hmm. Faiziv does not have an opponent. Um, and then Chandler, who... You know, I'm sure it's it's in the news, but you know, who knows where his if that Connor fight's even mm-hmm. going to still happen. Um, so I don't know. I I guess I'll start. I feel like the Ch- I feel like Chandler is kind of the easily easiest answer here for most, just because he's the biggest name, especially coming off that Ultimate Fighter season. Now his stock's going to go up. But my thing is, does beating a guy who's two and three in the UFC, whose two wins are Tony Ferguson and Dan Hooker, is that really good enough to get to Islam Akhachev? Now we do know names can get you there, right? Having right. a win like Chandler, um, but especially when we've seen him go out uh, Chandler against the rest like Dustin, Justin, and Oliveira. And he just hasn't been able to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying those weren't competitive fights at moments and that he didn't have good showings or outings, but you would just kind of like to see him have sneaked out one of those close fights, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And he just hasn't. So then it becomes a question is, is Chandler really the good measuring stick in terms of being able to compete at the top of that division? You know, because he has not been able to show right. that. I mean, well, he's, and let me rephrase. He's been competitive in these fights, right? right? He's had his moments, but hasn't found a way to win. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Right. And, and I, I would say I could agree with Chandler because, you know, he was, you know, maybe... 30 seconds away from finishing Charles Oliveira. He arguably had, you know, he could have won the decision over Gaethje. So, sure. and these are the guys who are at the top because I think, honestly, the winner of Dustin and Justin are the one that could get in the way of right. somebody like Saru can get in there anytime soon. Um, I would say not Faiziv only because he just lost to Justin Gaethje. And if mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje was to win, you know, the MMA math doesn't help you as much there. I would love to see that fight. Yeah. Because uh, Sarukian was really impressing me with the kicks that he added to his game. His striking, he was really mixing it up. He was just, he, once he started getting hurt, it's like, okay, let me wrestle this guy and uh, do what I need to do. Um, but I would say Chandler, but also, you know, as a MMA fan, like I think I would be more impressed by him beating Benny. Sure. You know, that's how I would see it. Yeah, I, I would agree with the Benny piece. I think that in terms of getting to the title, I, for whatever reason, that stands out to me. I think Chandler is the name, so I think yeah. more people are going to, you know, eyeballs on that one, and that would probably be, in terms of just business side, that makes more sense. Faiziv, 
probably is the more entertaining matchup overall, but I think it's the less sure. likely with implications for the title picture. Um, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, I think Faiziv is a super intriguing matchup given the striking test that mm-hmm. that, that would be for a guy like Saruki. And, and then Faiziv has phenomenal takedown defense, right. like high 98%, something like that. Like mm-hmm. he's in the high 90s. Uh, in Go ahead. Well, right? I was going to say, you also have the MMA math of you know, Sarukian and Gamrat had a really close fight. Benny sure. dominated Gamrat in the scrambling and, the, sure. and, you know, was able to negate that. So it would be very interesting to see how Sarukian could apply his version right. of that to somebody like Benny who's shown he can, you know, defend that. Yeah, and beating a guy like B- Benny with the grappling skill set could be a better measuring stick and a more natural progression, if that makes sense, into mm-hmm. an Islam fight, if, you know, if, if that kind of makes sense with what I'm saying. But it's going to be interesting, man. I just fear for Sarukian that, and credit to him for taking essentially what was a lose-lose fight in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I could just almost see them doing Moicano, and then I feel like he's still going to be yeah. you know, two or three away. I, just, I feel like he's kind of taken that fight almost it's now put himself in a really odd situation where I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him. Kind of feels like the O'Malley, that Chris Moutinho's fight where it's like you're in a fight that you should definitely be dominating. It doesn't quite, you know, it doesn't end the way people think or as quick as people think. Yeah. And then you kind of have to re kind of build, keep building on to your hype because you didn't get the bigger win, sure. even though it was a good performance. Absolutely. Last fight we're going to discuss on this card, boys. El Loco Manuel Torres defeats Nicholas Mota via first round elbow knockout. Just nasty. And I've got something queued up because I think the best way to recap this fight is to take it straight to the Spanish announce table, boys. Yeah, man. Gotta love the Spanish announce call there. Uh, Man, what a fantastic knockout and win here for El Loco. Something is definitely happening in Mexico right now, boys. I don't know what it is. You know, they always, you know, I went to, I went to Cancun and they said, do not drink the water. That was one thing they say, you know, <laughs> even if you're brushing your teeth, try to use a water bottle. I, give me all of it. Like yeah. some, something's going on down there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, it. something's going on, man. They, um, they got a lot of really impressive fighters, obviously got champions right now. And, you know, like I had said in, in our group chat, like there's a Mexico City card coming up when they get that PI finish and it's yeah. going to have. A lot, a lot of talent on it. No, I agree. And this is the nastiest elbow I've seen. I said there too since like Chris Weidman and Mark Munoz where somebody filthy. just walks right into it. Yeah, I mean up there, up there, there was the Max uh, or Yair. Who'd Yair? Oh, a uh, Korean uh, zombie. Well, that one was pretty yeah. crazy. About, uh, the older zone, Diego Sanchez got elbowed by, uh, was it Matt Brown? Like an, yeah, like over, does, over it was top. like a hook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there is some good ones, but man, the th- I think the thing about this one though is like, it was just flush. I right. mean, just like, you know, like I think if I remember, then you can correct me, but wasn't the, the Weidman Munoz, he kind of just nipped him with the elbow a little bit. I mean, this was just like almost yeah. forearm. Right just, face. Yeah, like you would see in a movie or, yeah, or like a, ta- a taekwondo it. instructor through like a board or something like whole. Yeah. And, and he was getting pieced up a yeah, little bit. but Moto was out. Oh, and yeah. I told you guys, you know, think about, I know like, 
you know, I know Cam Van Camp, it didn't exactly work out in the UFC, but you guys know how talented Cam Van Camp right. is. And you see what Nicholas Mota did to him. And then for, you know, El Loco to finish a guy like Mota, like, holy Yeah, cow. Mota was looking good. He was yeah. landing some good stuff, and it seemed like, you know, it was it was going to go a certain way, and then he just walked right into that elbow, man. You, know, you don't see him a lot, I feel like. It's just, it, for guys to land him that, no, that flush, right. is, you, you got to put either, yourself in danger to land that's like That's a good yeah. point, so yeah. it's, it's either something you practice a lot, or you just kind of landed that one time and cool, you good gotta, job. Like, but you got to overstep in to get him to walk mm-hmm. into that. You got to have really long arms and overstep in, man. You know the fight to make? Because Nicholas Mota was slept by somebody else as well. Oh. Can you guys tell me? Because this is the fight you make. Give me El Loco versus Jimmy Mill ticket. I want Ooh. El Loco versus Jim Miller next. Come on. Yeah. Come I mean, on. That's the fight to make. That'd be a good name for Torres for sure. That is the fight to make. It makes so much sense. All right, boys. We got to keep it moving. Updating on scores real quick. I'm still at the top of the leaderboard. Plus three for Sarukian. Called it perfect. Gosh. 53 for me. John, you got two for Sarukian, one for Cannoneer. You have 41. Brandon, two points for Sarukian. You are sitting at 37. So you are down by four. Again, mm. it's a battle for uh, – I kind of lucked into the Sarukian too because oh, you took second-round TKO. You took first-round first. TKO. I was like, oh, I'll take third then. And, man, at the <laughs> end of the first, I thought – because Sarukian landed a really good elbow at the end of the first, and I was like, oh, I'm about to get it. I'm about to get it. And then – Rather be lucky than good. And that's what I always say, you know. Yeah. Boys, real quick, we got it. Well, not real quick, because there's some stuff to talk about here. Bellator 297. Uh, before we get to our game, um, I do want to touch on this card. This past Friday, um, from Chicago, Illinois, the Wind Trust Arena. We were just there last November. It was sold out. Um, I saw something that said the crowd was on fire too, and I saw something that said. They literally, I don't know if you guys remember when we were there, they almost had a stage that the guys walked out on. Mm -hmm. They got rid of that to open up more More tickets. So they literally just like walked right out of the tunnel. Um, it was packed. Um, but in the main event, Vadim Nemkov defeating Yoel Romero uh, via unanimous decision and still for Vadim Nemkov. Just an absolute thrashing by Vadim here. Romero landed a couple big shots, but other than that, this fight was just really never close. Um, and I told you guys, um, and I'm standing on it, uh, Bellator has the best light heavyweight in the world with Vadim Nemkov. Um, I think when you look at his skill set and how well-rounded he is, and he can continues to look more impressive every time Mm -hmm. out in my opinion um i think he could not only compete but beat any light heavyweight from any other major promotion including the ufc um now there was a little back and forth i don't know if you guys saw between Corey anderson um and uh jamal hill and uh cory anderson defeated phil davis on this card as well Mm -hmm. um but Anderson was basically saying Bellator has the best lightweights in the world. Um, and Hill didn't take too kindly to that. Kind of called into question some of Anderson's shortcomings in the UFC, including the loss to OSP, mm-hmm. who Hill made sure to remind him of uh, how his fight went with OSP. Right. Um, and I do tend, I do lean and go with Hill here in this <laughs> argument. Um, I don't think overall Bellator has the better division from top to bottom, correct? Right. Um, they do have high-level guys, including Corey Anderson, who I think could definitely still compete. At really the top close of the fight UFC. with Minkoff. Yeah, I agree. Um, dude, Vadim looked even better than that fight, yeah. though. And maybe that's like where some of this is coming from me, where I've seen Nemkov live, and then just seeing him look even better than that fight, just nuts. Um, but to me, again, as a whole, I don't think Bellator has a better light heavyweight division. But again, I do believe they have the best in Vadim mm-hmm. Nemkov. That's just and my the opinion. story, man. Being you know Fedor's. Uh, protege yeah. like it's and i mean that's a now the camp's concentrated on you now that fedor isn't fighting anymore like 
Uh, he, he's yeah. got everything he needs there. Seems like a move to heavyweight is next for him. And, mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Because Corey Anderson could be, you know, the number one contender after the win over mm-hmm. Phil Davis. I mean, there's still maybe a couple other guys I'm not thinking of that, that could challenge. But I think for Nimkov, it's like he just seems levels And the get him. back for Bader after, you know, because after Bader beat Fader yeah. in his last fight, that storyline kind of writes itself. Co-main event, boys. I'm excited to talk about this one. Sergio Pettis defeating Patricio Pitbull via unanimous decision to retain his bantamweight title. Um, and let me just kind of set this up for those who maybe weren't privy to this fight or the kind of the backstory. Pettis was the champ coming into this fight. Mm-hmm. He had a torn ACL about a year ago, um, and this was his first fight back. And he did it here against a guy who many considered to be one of the best fighters under 170, by 170 pounds of all time, yeah. regardless of promotion. Um, and Pitbull was going for this elusive triple crown in MMA, right? Mm-hmm. As the former lightweight and current featherweight champion, he was attempting to be the first man to win a title in three different weight classes, something that has never been done before in any other major promotion in the modern era. And Sergio Pettis, who, again, coming off a torn ACL, um, having uh, was, was just or excuse me, was kind of just having none of it here. I mm-hmm. mean, I was really impressed. Put on an absolute masterclass. Too fast, too technical for Pitbull. Super uh, on point defensively. Shut down all of Pitbull's grappling attempts, attempts. Really just dominated the whole fight, in my opinion. And you have to respect the legend and champion and Pitbull for attempting this and coming mm-hmm. this far down. But, man, you got to just kind of wonder. I told you guys, if he just kind of bit off more than he could chew here. Right. Um, and for Pettis, you just beat one of the goats of this sport after an 18-month layoff and injury. Crazy. So, so much respect to him for that. Um, but this now sets up what will be a crazy bantamweight title mm-hmm. unification between Sergio Pettis and Patchy Mix. I cannot wait for that fight. If you don't know who Patchy Mix is, go Google the highlights. I mean, yeah. this this dude, this fight's going to be insane, I'm telling you guys. Um, but I do... Um, I know you guys didn't see the fight, so John, don't even try to break it down. We already know. We already know. You don't have to act like you saw it. We get it. Um, but I do want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I am curious. Um, in terms of the Triple Crown title winner in MMA, uh, who is someone that you guys think can pull it off regardless of weight class or promotion, or do you think it's just even possible? Um, and I guess if you guys want to think about it, I can give you my thoughts on it. Yeah, but go ahead. I'm I'm gonna try to think. Of Do you have anything? You Just any to... like any division or yeah, any any a, uh, company like anything? Any promotion, any weight class, any fighter. Just is there anybody that you can think that that could pull off this triple crown uh, that nobody's ever been able to do, or do you feel like it's just impossible? Which could be your answer as well. No, I, honestly, there's two that stand out to me. I think I think it makes more sense to go up than it does to go down. Correct. And I think that um, the the two that are just standing out to me with very little forethought are. Alex Pajera and Hamzat Shemaev. I those are two that stand out to me as like if if one of somebody can do it, I think Hamzat is willing to, to go up to say like it would it be, I guess, two oh five for him. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that he's big enough. He would be small for two oh five, but he would be big enough, I think, to compete. And same thing for Alex. Like you see him yeah. standing next to heavyweights and he looks pretty 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 mm-hmm. good. So yeah, those would be two for me. That's literally what I had in my notes. The whole thing of going, I think you would have to start at the, just because I think we've seen now, man, and, and with the way the sport is going, it is so tough on these guys and girls that are trying to drop one and two weight classes, you know, um, it's just not like it used to be, man. And and um, I just, I, I like had Pitbull had started at bantamweight and worked his way up to lightweight, but yeah, going in reverse is tough. And again, I agree with Brandon. I think Hamzat, 170-85-205 and Pedeta, 185-205 heavyweight. Mm-hmm. But even still, man, I'm just not sure if it's possible. That is a lot. 
That is a no. lot to do, especially if you only have like a six to ten year career. I mean, that's just a lot, man. I think if you if you I'm gonna say this. I think if you threw Connor into a title fight with his left hand at 170, like the way he looks right now, that's he could make seven because he's got 45. He's got the 55, yeah. so he just needs the 70. That's just another kind of wild card there. But and, I don't think he gets a title fight. I, I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm just yeah. saying if you I know what you're saying threw him he, in there. He has a, a fighter's chance. I mean, you could you could put him in there with Leon right now, and you couldn't for say like there's no way that he wins that fight. The only person I can think of like body build side where it's like okay, this guy could go up kind of like how Hamza does would be like a Jalen Turner who just looks huge and could go. I thought him too. You know, 55. 570 70. and 85 because he's huge dude there was a picture i don't know if brandon i don't know if you saw it i don't know if i sent it but um he, he sent it to the instagram standing next to hamza shimaev and jalen turner is like way bigger than hamza it's really? like freaky that this dude yeah. makes 155 Jeez. so he is a guy that i thought you know i just don't know if like we just haven't seen enough yet you know for me to think that i mean mm -hmm. i don't even know if he can do it at 55 you right. know but yes what brandon said is just to me what i think where as, as fans, anyways, of what we're seeing in mixed martial arts is the fighters that are going down, it's just not working out. You know, mm -hmm. um, there were some pictures of, like, side-by-sides of, like, Pitbull and TJ Dillashaw when he made 25, and they look really similar. <laughs> um, it just, it's when guys are just that sucked down, and you can literally see their veins, and yeah. it's just, mm -hmm. it's a it's a tough look, man. And then to go out, like I said, against a guy like Sergio Pettis, and credit to Pettis, man, because I feel like Sergio, I mean, I feel like he's finally kind of started. I think, like, he's found himself in Bellator, and yeah. he's kind of starting to break away from that like oh i'm just my brother's brother yeah we, we've <laughs> talked about how maybe he got brought into the ufc a little too early and that was a lot on him because of his brother kinda, being yeah. the champion he kind of said as much in the there was a video package that they had shown and he said he really went through a dark time and kind of questioned if you know fighting was even still for him mm -hmm. because during that time and that yeah, would be a lot of pressure i mean that's what he said my brother was on a wheaties box when i came into the ufc <laughs> yeah. like i mean that's a lot of pressure yeah. man that's tough and they look alike i mean it just in like little things like that do matter and know? a lot of guys don't turn you know getting cut from the ufc into this yeah. it's a very small number of people that's done it Dude. and to have a win over pitbull like this is huge because he's mm -hmm. he's beat every single like you said anybody 55 and under he's beat the best ones that bellator has ever put out him versus patchy mix is gonna be oh man oh it's mm -hmm. just gonna, and the thing about uh, anthony pettis is, or sergio pettis as well here i'm saying he broke away i'm so <laughs> confusing his name is you look at the guys that he's beating at Bellator, they're not scrubs either. I mean, right. this guy is beating legit, legit talent over there um, at Bellator. And again, guys that could fight in the UFC. That a shot clock knockout over um, uh, the Risen fight. Um, who's their champion? Horiguchi. I oh think. yeah, yeah. That, that shot was last two second, fights ago. Yeah, last second. I think it was a flying knee or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like he just beat he just beat Pitbull. It was Horiguchi before that, and then before that it was the Purdue wrestler. The uh, what's his name? Ah, uh, he wrestled at Purdue. Same thing, just like a yeah. guy everybody thought was just going to run through him. Um, he was on, like, a crazy win streak at the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just legit, legit talent. Okay, boys, Brandon, can you <laughs> grab those um, boards yes, for me? We are going to jump into Hoosier Daddy. Um, and this has kind of become, like I said, a, a yearly Father's Day tradition here on the podcast. Um, it's just a trivia game where I'm going to give these guys some information about a dad who just so happens to be a UFC fighter. Um, and it's up to these guys to tell me, who's your daddy? Um, I feel like this may... I did one for every male division. Oh. Uh, so there's nine or eight. I don't remember. I don't know how to count. Um, but I feel like I might have made these too easy. 
Yeah? Yeah. I feel like whenever you do that, though, we get, like, two. Yeah, I feel like they're a little too easy, though. Yeah, and I, I definitely don't like when you preface games like I that. I know, but I feel like, because I was going to do multiple choice, and then I'm like, man, I feel like these are all too easy to do multiple choice, because I feel like they're almost in the an- the question, the answer. Yeah. We'll see, but, man. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's, it has <laughs> been a long day. Uh, but I feel like it's only right uh, if we start out with an Indiana native, an actual Hoosier daddy. Mm. Um, so this first fighter of two, or father of two, excuse me, he is a fighter as well. First fa- father of two and Chesterton, Indiana native, was the inaugural WEC Bantamweight champion. This now retired UFC fighter also works full-time as a firefighter. Boys, who's your daddy? Oh, John went quick. Brandon just like <laughs> looks so. I good. got two two names. I in thought my this head. was the this was definitely the easiest one. I felt John's got it right. Don't show Brandon. John already has it right. I can confirm. John's locked it in. Brandon, yeah, no. Brandon <laughs> said Darren Elkins. It is Eddie Wineland. Ah, uh, so that was the other name. But John I'm like, got is he a up. champ. All right, all right. I like it's it. the WEC that that he was it the off. inaugural WEC champion. Eddie Wineland was, and I think that. The what, what town did you say he's from? Chesterton. Chesterton. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. So, okay, maybe it'll be a little fun. All right, Brandon. Thank you for thank you for mm-hmm. making it. <laughs> Thanks for being a dad. <laughs> Thanks for making it a game. <laughs> Our next also now retired UFC dad is a father of three boys. Among his many accomplishments in the UFC, he is third overall in total fights, tied second for most wins. He is also second for most fight night bonuses with eighteen, and he will be inducted into this year's Hall of Fame. Boys. Who's your daddy? Oh, this, is the, this is the last retired fighter. Both of them got it right. Cowboy Cerrone. That's the last retired one. The rest of these all active. Um, this next fighter is a current UFC featherweight and father of two boys. He has challenged the UFC. He has challenged for the UFC featherweight title two separate times against two separate opponents. He is also. One of three current featherweights who has fought both the undisputed and interim champions, Alexander Volkanovsky and Yaya Rodriguez. Boys, who is your daddy? No. Don't show John. I'm no, not I even, thought he was turning I, it. No. no I, I haven't, I've been trying to make eye contact with you because I'm trying to remember what you said earlier. <laughs> I thought he turned his over. I was, oh my gosh, Brandon just giving answers away here. <sighs> Can you read a little bit of the... the I will read it again, yes, because okay, yeah. I was kind of wordy there. He is challenged for the UFC featherweight title two separate times against two separate opponents. He is also one of three current featherweights who has fought both the undisputed and interim champion Alexander Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez. You're welcome. Yeah. No, John got it wrong. John said <laughs> Korean zombie. Brandon got it right with Brian Ortega. Mm. I don't ever think about him with kids as much, I guess. Yeah. As soon as you said the two separate and didn't win, I was like, oh, I know. I know who that is. This next UFC... Okay, so we're... 2-2. 2-2. This next UFC fighter is a girl dad who competes in the flyweight division. He fights out of Shreveport, Louisiana, and was a cast member of MTV's 2012 reality TV show, Caged, which featured young MMA prospects. I think I was the only person that really watched this show. I don't know how. John, you got it right. Don't show Brandon, though. I have no idea. Can you just say it one more time? No idea. (laughs) I love the repeat. Flyweight. He is a flyweight fighting out of Shreveport, Louisiana, and was a cast member on MTV's 2012 reality TV show, Caged, which featured young MMA prospects. I have no idea. God, I've been a fan of this sport for too long. Literally, don't, I don't even have an answer. <laughs> Come on. Give me, give me a flyweight. Just give me a flyweight. You can say Brandon Moreno. I don't care. 
I just want to see what you put. John did get it right. Tim Elliott. No, it was so Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. All right. Well, I had to do a flyweight. Card collector. He is, a, he is an avid card collector. That's right. All right, so 3-2. John is up. This next UFC fighter, boys, is a father of six and competes in the light heavyweight division. He holds wins over Johnny Walker, Thiago Santos, and Glover Teixeira. Seven of his 12 professional wins have come by way of knockout. And two thumbs up if either of you can tell me who's your daddy. Hmm. So he's be Walker, Teixeira, and who's the other one? Thiago Santos. Father of six holds wins over Johnny Walker, Thiago Santos, and Glover Teixeira. Seven of his 12 professional wins have come by way of knockout. And two thumbs up if you guys can tell me who's your daddy. This should be, I should know who this is because it's fairly recent. If he's beat Johnny Walker. I don't think this is right, but I'm just going to say something because I'm not going to sit here. John is wrong. Oh my gosh. Okay, Johnny Walker, Glover Teixeira. And I'm just going to not, not put Santos. something up though, so. Oh, oh, I think, okay. John got it wrong. Brandon seems pretty confident. He has yeah. it. It's Jamal Hill. I I thought mm. the two thumbs up. Uh, the, I was trying to think the of bad, the kids thing. The, I was like. The bad chest hat. Don't get caught up on the kids. That's like secondary. <laughs> like, that's twice now you've mentioned the kids. It's just because. Well, that's what this whole thing's about. Yeah, but they're just dads. But you're and not going to figure who, that who out. Knows, just like, yeah. oh, which one's going to Well, there's certain guys who have like their kids now, in the cage with them and now stuff like that. I will say, Johnny, or, uh, Jamal Hill has probably the most kids in the UFC. One of the. Like, so, like, I did know. That's why I picked him. Like, mm. I didn't even have to look that up because I was like, I want to think of somebody that I know has a lot, and he was the first one because I know he has a lot of kids. But yeah, don't get so caught up on that. Right. Just listen to the hints. It's Father's Day, man. I'm Gosh, this guy. My brother had all his kids over at my dad's. We're talking one boy or one girl here. <laughs> yeah. Can you give at least middle names to the what's, kids? What's the, <laughs> what's the score? I got three. Three, three. Oh, okay. This next UFC dad is a father of two boys, John, too, and he competes Chris in Douglas. the welterweight division. He is an IBJJF Gi and No Gi world champion. His younger brother also competes in the UFC. Boys, who's your daddy? Welterweight. IBGG, I, why can't I say that? IBJJF Gi and No Gi world champion <laughs> whose younger brother also competes in the UFC. So there's two of them. John got it right. I don't know why. <laughs> I love adding the pressure of saying John got it right. Because <laughs> then you know you got to go. Yeah. Well, uh, younger oh. brothers, what, should, what I should be catching on to here. 170. Should pay attention yeah. to the kids, dude. You, <laughs> that's how I got it. John, John did it, yeah. <laughs> two, you said two boys? Two boys. <laughs> See, now he's going into it. Like, like wait that, a minute. I'm like, that doesn't help There me. might be something to it. <laughs> two so yeah, two boys competes at welterweight, IBJJF, Gi and No Gi world champion. See, that should be helping me too. That's what I figured. Younger brother also competes in the UFC. Need I'm just an blanking on every, like all names. Yeah, this name. one, you're going to be really mad at yourself. I'm just saying. There's there's probably people listening to this right now that are yeah, pulling. Jacob's, Jacob's going to be There's mad. people pulling their hair out right now, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. Jacob did tell me he's looking forward to the episode, so he'll definitely have some criticism. I need, I, I, I need an answer. I'm just going to put an answer because I can't think Okay, of I just want to see what you think of. Who do you think No, is, this is just to put an answer to satisfy you. This isn't like. I'll tell I, you what, who do you think could be a Gi and no Gi world champion? At 70? Like, I can't even think of who's in 70 right now. Like, I'm just going through. Right, just so write a not name. Just so you're just getting a long shot clock yeah, right yeah, here. Just, yeah, just write a name. At this point, just write a name. We're done. 
Yeah. He said Kamara it's Usman. Not him. It's not It's Gilbert Burns, Brandon. It is Gilbert oh, Burns. Only probably the one of the highly de- most decorated yeah. grapplers in the UFC. I couldn't think, dude. It's like one of those like 30 seconds. Name as many right. as you can. Couldn't get any. Two left. Points. What's the score? I got four. Four to three. So mm-hmm. two left. You're not out of it, Plenty though. Of room. Reset, Brandon. Reset it. Reset he's, it. He's right got to miss one, though. This is a tough one, I think. Depends on how he says the kids. I actually think this one's easy. This one might be easy. This next UFC fighter is a father of three and fights in the middleweight division, but he has also fought across three total divisions in the UFC and has fought for a world title in one of those three divisions. Again, father of three, fought in three total divisions in the UFC, and has fought for a title in one. Both seem pretty confident here. John got it wrong. John said Kelvin Gastelum, Brandon Jared Cannonier got it right. Yes. Heavyweight, light heavyweight, and middleweight for Jared Cannonier. Obviously fought Israel Adesanya for the middleweight title. And, John, he is a father of three if you're keeping score at home. One, two, three. Got it. We're tied, boys, heading yep. into the – this is the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. This one's going to be – I'm interested <laughs> to see this one. Our final UFC fighter and father of one – Fights in the UFC heavyweight division. Uh, although he is a fighter, he could have had a career in a different sport as he did hold a professional contract in that sport before transitioning to MMA. Of his 14 professional wins, 13 are by knockout for the final time, boys. Who's your daddy? Mm. Contract in another sport. Do, do, Thirteen knockout fights in the heavyweight division had a professional contract in a different sport before transitioning to mixed martial arts. Fourteen of his professional, uh, thirteen of his fourteen professional wins are by knockout. I can't remember. I know his nickname. I tried to write his last name. I might be wrong, but John is wrong. So it's all on the line, Brandon. (laughs) It is all on the line right now. Can you do it? I wish I had a little like Jeopardy, or uh, not Jeopardy. Uh, what's the who who wants to be a millionaire? It's all on the line. We can't give you too much time though, because that's not fair. Uh, okay, I'll give you time to read it one more time. Okay, I knew I'd get you guys on this one. I knew this it. isn't right. But I'm trying to think of another sport. What do you got? He said Tom Aspinall. That is wrong. The answer was Tai Tuivasa, oh, and the sport was, rugby? was rugby. That was he was <laughs> in my mind, but I was like, I knew team. with heavyweight. If I said sport, you guys would instantly try to think of a football player. Well, no, he. Uh, <laughs> Who'd you say? You said salsa boy. Yeah, the um, he was a pitcher. He was a pro pitcher, oh. and then he went into MMA. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Acosta Cortez? Acosta Cortez. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was DeCastro or Cortez, but that's who I thought of because he's recently. He just a, I forgot he was a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Good shout there. I I just figured I could get you. I figured you'd try to think of like a football player. No, I immediately thought of him because he's just been like <laughs> spamming like fastball overhand rights in his fights, and they keep on bringing so up we, him being a pitcher. So we end in a tie. Um, does it Does it remind you of something? Kissing your sister? No, you remember uh, <laughs> end of the year we did a little Jeopardy game. Somebody got peer pressured into yeah, risking it all. Oh, had to handicap you. He yeah. had to tie with me. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm, I'm not giving no, not giving anything up this year. And then now we're back to it. Do, Ties again. Do both of you know your father's middle name? Yeah. yeah. All right. No, that's not a good question, man. <laughs> all right. We'll have to think of something. I don't know. Maybe next week. Continue. <laughs> I hate ending in a tie. I really thought, like, okay, 
surely they'll get some of these wrong. And then well, I got mm-hmm. yeah, Gilbert Burns. That was pretty. Hey, you ended in a tie. Yeah. It's true. So don't be too mad about it. I mean, my the heavyweight one, I don't know if he has kids. If he has kids, then I could have been like really close to being right. I don't know what his record is, but yeah, he was I, a heavyweight who played a sport, another yeah, sport. Like I, said, so. I just I knew I knew the football, I knew or the rugby, I knew I could mm-hmm. get you guys on that one. That's why I was excited about that one. Alrighty, that's all we got. We are going to transition now. We still have so much in the news to talk about as well, big stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, UFC Fight Night, boys, this Saturday, June twenty fourth, from the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida, on ABC and in uh, ESPN Plus, with a main cart card start time of 3 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, Yeah, so don't say we didn't tell you. Early card, 3 p.m. on ABC. So Man, so good. It's going to be an easy one to find. In our main event, boys, in the men's featherweight division, number five, Josh Emmett versus number nine, Ilya Toporia. Uh, Boys, the 38-year-old Emmett returns off of his interim title fight loss to Yai Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Emmett lost the fight by second-round triangle, which snapped a five-fight win streak. His opponent, Ilya Ilya Toporia, comes in a perfect 13-0 in his MMA career. Toporia is 5-0 in the UFC and is coming off his most impressive win to date, a second-round arm triangle win over Bryce Mitchell in December of last year. A win here for either man will easily see their name entered into the featherweight title conversation, even if not straight to a title shot. uh, You'd have to expect either's next fight would be a title eliminator at a minimum here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say... I fear a loss for Emmett probably eliminates all title hopes for him. And at 38 years old, that's not what you want for, you know, a guy. So he's fighting for a lot here, I think, coming in Saturday. Um, I don't know how much, again, is left at this age. um, But dropping two straight in a division like this would just be so tough for Mm -hmm. him to bounce back from. So with that, Brandon, what's your pick? Yeah, this one, to me, I think this has a... Kind of shades of like when Emmett fought Cater. I feel like that could go that yeah. like like that. We're just sure. kind of see this like slugfest over the course of five rounds. But I, I really don't know. I think that there was a lot of uh, interesting points with Emmett's last fight with Yair. I didn't expect him to get pieced up as bad as he did. I did expect him to get pieced up, but it was kind of it was shocking to me how many levels above Yair seemed. Also, the grappling surprised me. Yair's grappling really blew me away. So I got a lot of questions for Emmett. So I'm actually going to take. Ilya, who looked fantastic against Bryce Mitchell. He's young, he's hungry, he's undefeated, carries a lot of that same power Emmett has, and Cater was able to handle it well. So I like Ilya here. I'm actually going to take him by uh, the safe bets decision, but I need points. So let's go with Ilya. We'll go with uh, fourth round TKO. Okay. Dude, I just don't know what to think about this. Here's here's what shocks me the most. Emmett's a plus 260 in this. A guy who just fought a title eliminator is a plus 260, and Ilya is a minus 335. Sure. But it just goes to show how much Vegas puts into Ilya's game. Um, Man... It's tough because when you look at the people who Josh Emmett has beat, you're talking about you know some of the top guys in the division, and we haven't seen Ilya fight those guys yet. And Yair, you know, coming off a loss to Yair isn't a problem because Yair's beat all these same guys too. Um, yeah. Oh man, and then, but Ilya's just been finishing everybody his past sure. five fights. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Josh Emmett, and I'm gonna say third round TKO. 
Okay. So I think, and I, and I will say, I think the reason Toporia is such a big favorite here, um, most of his wins coming by submission, right? And the last mm-hmm. we just saw was Yair Rodriguez, who's not, I mean, he's got good jujitsu, but not really known as a submission threat, right? Um, submitting Josh Emmett, you know, so I think that's mm-hmm. kind of playing in a lot of people's mind. Um, I am going to go Toporia here. Uh, Josh Emmett will definitely be a power threat. Uh, and we've seen Toporia get hit big before, right? In some mm-hmm. of his fights, he's had, and he has to avoid that here. You can't let Josh Emmett crack you. Uh, but I see Topuria being too fast, too technical on the feet. Um, neither guy is exceptional at getting the fight down, though Emmett probably has better pure wrestling chops, if I had to say. Um, but Topuria is so tough to take down. 92% takedown defense in the mm-hmm. UFC so far. Um, and even if the fight does get down, I definitely uh, give Topuria the advantage in the scrambles and just jujitsu overall. Um, this is Topuria's first five-rounder, uh, so it will be interesting to see how he holds up the later the fight goes that could be you know a game plan for josh emmett just to try to drag him deep there Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately i do see him getting it done early and i'll take third round sub for Ilya topioria that's what i'm going with nice it's a good fight though man oh yeah man so tough this like i said this we'll get to some of the other fights we're only gonna pick for main and co-main but there are some good fights on this card but this main event alone is fantastic jacksonville got a good one another tough one to pick for is our (sighs) co-main event though uh in the women's flyweight division number nine amanda hibas versus number 11 macy barber boys after a mixed run at strawweight hibas returned to the flyweight division last year where she lost to caitlin chukagian by split decision in a fight of the night effort she then rebounded in her last fight with a big unanimous decision decision win over Viviani Ujo back in March. Her opponent, Macy Barber, as one of this division's brightest young prospects. Uh, she injured her knee back in 2020, comes back a year later, and loses to current champ Alexa Garasso by December, or by decision, by excuse December. me. It's late. We didn't say this off top, but we're doing this. This is a late episode for us. I'm, yeah. I'm starting to feel, like John said, it's been a long day. Uh, but uh, Alexa loses to Alexa Garasso after a year on the sideline, but since that loss, is a perfect four coming into this fight her last fight was a split decision win over andrea lee back in march <coughs> excuse me and man i'm breaking down <laughs> i'm breaking down and man uh this is this is just such a top heavy division that either of these ladies will probably need at least two more wins before mm-hmm. the title shot is even within their grasp i mean you look at some of the names in this division it's getting so good uh but getting the job done here on saturday will be a nice scalp on either lady's record in that pursuit so with that brandon who you taking i like macy barber here i think you know the four strike the four fight win streak she's carrying plays a lot into this i think she's coming into this confidence the last fight she had with uh, lee was very close i remember thinking i wasn't so sure she was going to squeeze that one out mm-hmm. um but regardless i think that she is showing some strides in her game just with grappling overall and being able yeah. to implement that with her striking um she's very tough i don't think she's going to get finished um by any means so i i like macy here and again with the weight class change um it, i i think that for her opponent is what i mean by that i think that it's it's going to lean into macy's favor so i'll take macy barber by uh unanimous decision okay oh man yeah, these I, are both I, tough. I thought Barbara got away with one her last fight. Yeah, I thought she got. Lee. I think she got a lesson because she did get controlled for almost you know a whole round total. But she ha- she struggled a little bit on the ground and she got a little bit of a pace put on her. Um, sure. But you know she does have a good streak going. Um, she's been in there with some really good girls. Obviously, her last loss was Garasso, but she's been in there with I Miranda Maverick. So I, I think that she has a lot going. And then for Hebus. 
man, her coming back is probably going to help. I mean, as much as I know you think it might hurt her, I think it's more her natural weight class. I, I just don't like the switches, man. Like when people go back and forth, sure. it just kind of makes me nervous. Yeah. And I mean, to have a split decision with Chikagian is a really good, I mean, Chikagian's a really tough fighter in that division. Yeah. Um, I don't feel good about any of this, but I'm going to go with, uh, I think Macy Barber is the best bet on the whole thing, but I'm going to go Amanda Hebus by decision. Yeah, it's definitely an advantage there for Barber having fought the current champ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Barber just has this meanness and nastiness when she fights that I just absolutely love. Always moving forward. She's always pressuring. Um, and as Brandon said there, continues to look better every single time she's in there. But the thing with this fight uh, that I think is going to give her some problems is the wrestling and grappling of Amanda Hebos. Judo, um, baby. This is a woman, yeah. Jiu-jitsu, judo guy. Judo guy. <laughs> Is a jiu-jitsu and judo black belt uh, in both disciplines that she's been doing since she was a little girl. I mean, her dad was her coach and all that. So she's been doing it since a very young age. Um, and one thing we've seen opponents of Macy uh, Barber be able to exploit a little is the takedown defense. As you guys mentioned there in that Andrea Lee fight, kind of got away with one. Mm-hmm. Lee kind of, you know, was able to take her down at will. Five for five. Yeah. And he boss just fought a lady in uh, Viviani Adarujo, who's Forward pressure, heavy hands. She did get cracked, but she cracked out of Ujo too, right. big. Um, so I think Kibos will definitely look to come in though and get this fight to the ground. Now, if Macy can defend those, force a stand-up battle, I definitely give her the advantage on the feet, just in terms of what we've seen. Uh, but I do expect Kibos to be able to get this fight down and possibly dominate there. Um, what did you say? I said decision. Yeah, I like a decision. I think that's probably the, the you know Macy Barber has never been finished. Um, but I'll go ahead and since John took decision, I'll say Amanda Hebos by let's say man Barbara is so tough third round submission. We'll That's go so. Yeah. Also on this card though, boys, we got Bruno. Most of the fights I feel like that are really good are on the prelims. So make sure you get tuned in on. I think the prelims start at like 11 a.m. But make sure you get on this card early. But on the uh, fight, also on this card, Bruno Silva versus Brendan Allen, top 15 ranking on the line there. You know, Brendan mm-hmm. Allen sitting at number 13. Bruno Silva with a win could propel himself into the top 15. Neil Magny versus Phil Rowe, which Oof. is a great fight. Randy Rudeboy Brown versus yeah. Wellington Terman and a lot more. Like I said, great fights on this card. Uh, 3 p.m. main card start time. Don't say we didn't tell you, John. Let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All right. A lot, a lot like the last PFL event that saw Deontay Wilder in the crowd shaking things up for Francis Rumors. Uh, as, as Maurice Green's long training partner, John Jones, who was in his corner, was saw in an interaction with Francis. Uh, it was a tense face-to-face, uh, featured a lot of respect, but also two guys measuring each other up, <laughs> touching each other yeah. uh, with some trash talk. Um, yeah. Once they put out the video of what they were saying, it just yeah. got even more tense. Like, it, it's so bittersweet because... You know, it's not a fight that, you know, at this point can happen, but man. It's it's tough to watch. Yeah. And, you know, I think I had kind of became, or had, I had become okay with the fact that we weren't going to see this fight. I just kind of accepted the reality of the situation. Uh, but then when we're sitting here watching these two Goliaths face-to-face, jawing at each other, <laughs> telling the other man why they would beat him, um, and then all the excitement, uh, just all that excitement just comes back, right? Like mm-hmm. I, now I'm like so back on board with one to see this fight um, and you're sitting there almost just hoping they can find a way to make it happen I don't know if it, I mean even if you're Dana White 
how, how do you sit there and just not drool a little and just get your dollar signs in your eyes, right? Um, and we know the chances of a cross promotion, though, are super, super slim. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, just imagine, right? Like, just close your eyes and imagine a massive MMA card that features fighters and dream matchups from every promotion, UFC, PFL, Bellator, 1FC. So for one night, the world of mixed martial arts and their fans are united. <laughs> I love John's commitment to closing his eyes. <laughs> one of us got actually No, I know, dude. There. But for one night, as mixed martial arts, as fans, we're just all united under this massive global event. And then John Jones and Francis Ngannou are the headlining fight uh, for some type of baddest man on the planet title. It's a dream. But in man, Indianapolis. In, 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's the real dream. Come on, man. <laughs> as his eyes are closed, he says that, by the way. His eyes have been closed this whole time. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that, that's, that's my dream, man. I love it. I can uh, go to it. But, and I, and I think that fight is big enough and worthy of something like that because it would probably be the biggest fight in mixed martial arts history. And at this point, it's like, if we're going to see it happen, that's how it almost has to mm -hmm. happen. Right. Um, and, but then there's the other side too, you know, um, which I guess I'll let you guys kind of before I get to that. But yeah, just anything on that, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think a cross promotion is probably going to happen. But man, when you see those two sitting there face to face, it's hard not to be like, gosh, okay, I really want to see this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun, it's exciting. But I was kind of like what you said, I kind of got to a place where I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So for me, even though it's fun to watch, I'm just still like, yeah, but I mean, they're just doing it to get the clicks and to get the eyes. And I don't expect, sure. look, and, and my mindset on that too is the more I just stay on that path, if something does happen, then I'm just going to be that much more surprised because right. I don't expect sure. it at all. So, And, I, <clears throat> and what I was going to say there, I think it's always important to remember, and I had to kind of like bring myself back down after seeing that is whatever your opinions are on why Francis Ngannou left the UFC, why that fight didn't happen, you have John Jones, Francis Ngannou, and the UFC, who all three could have made this fight happen. And for mm -hmm. whatever reason, for their own personal best interest, and that's not for us to say if they were wrong or right. Right. It does, it's not for us all to three. say. All three chose for this where we are now. The, right. the, the decisions that all three made is why we are here, why we may never see this fight. Um and, and it is what it is because of that. You know, like right. I said, I still am on the board. I'm still on board with what Francis did for himself. I think it's a great move. Um, and you can't be mad at a guy like that. Um, but but it's not even just him. Who, right. You can't put it on him because, oh, he walked away. It's been everybody saying it. But, like, John Jones could have taken the fight a couple years ago. The UFC could have done more to keep Francis. I mean, right. I'm not saying you give him everything he wants. But we don't know what went on in those negotiations. But the bottom line is... We could have got this. We were fight. the ones that got the that hurt the most. I mean, because both of them, either one, if that fight happens, the legacy that they create with the UFC or wherever it would happen or amongst themselves is humongous. Sure. But us as fans, it's the you know the Anderson GSP. Like it's never yeah. going to happen. Never got to see it, and it's going to always be a you know a what if unless right. you know Jones retires and by the time Francis's contract's up they can make it happen but that might even be too late so yeah I mean if we don't get like I said if it's not some like crazy cross promoting thing um I don't I don't think it happens but but like I said I think that's just like the biggest thing that I was like well you know what 
it, there's three three sides, three parties that could have made it happen, mm-hmm. and for all of their best interests, they decided not to. So it's just never gonna happen. Dude, my favorite part about the whole thing is they're different personalities, because John Jones he's doing the the heel, the yeah. you don't want this smoke, yeah. And Francis is doing the yeah, man, all respect. We need to make this fight happen. Sure. I'm ready to fight you, whatever. <laughs> my favorite part of the whole thing, John Jones reaches over and grabs you know Francis's yeah. arms, and he's like filling him up, and Francis like taps his belly, like oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah getting, getting a little big, big. yeah. So. And let me say too, real quick, the coaching by John Jones, pretty abysmal. Uh, really <laughs> let Maurice Green down there in the corner in that third round. Uh, Maurice Green, oh dude, he was down. I think he was down. I don't. I I can't remember round one who how I scored it, but Maurice Green was definitely going to lose that fight by a decision. And John Jones, uh, uh, Ante Delia takes down Maurice Green, and John Jones tells Maurice just lock him down. You're gonna win this fight. And it's like, no, dude, he's down Oof. like 2-0, and now he's losing this round. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to. You would have made the playoffs with the win, So too. Maurice Green's just, like, sitting there chilling, like, locking, no urgency to get up. <laughs> and, and, and they're in in the corner. They're, like, yeah. from me to you from John Jones. And the whole time, John's just talking to him, like, you're about to you're about to beat last year's champion. You're doing great, this and that. And, I'm, and even the commentator's like, what are they doing? Like, why mm. are they telling him this? Mm. Like, um, so – that was a bit unfortunate, but you know, it just goes back to that. Like just because somebody's talented doesn't always make the best coach. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely something to coaching that is an art and a skill in itself and in its own right. Uh, So I really was a little disappointed there because I felt like, I mean, I'm not blaming John Jones mm-hmm. for the loss, but just feel like if the corner would have been urging Maurice Green a little bit more there to get, get up, get get up and try now. to win, that he may have found that other gear. Um, but instead, he just locked Delia down yeah. and just let himself lose a decision. Because he thought that he was winning because yeah. that's what the corner was saying. All, right? yeah, yeah, everything from John Jones was... You know you're you're gonna put him in lockdown. Yeah, really, he's like, dude, squeeze your pinch your legs and pull him. You know, pull him up and over under hooks like. You're, you're going to win this fight. Mm. And it's just like, man, I don't know what you're watching. Yeah. But, but, again, there's an art and a skill to being a coach. Like, just because you're a good fighter doesn't mean, you know, I can't imagine, you know, sitting in a corner and you're trying to instruct your fighter. You're trying to also judge in your own head. I mean, there's just – there's got to be so many things as a coach going on. I can't even imagine. I mean, I've never coached, never will coach. would be a good question coach. for Jacob, right? It like would the be, yeah. differences. Well, and we, we don't usually – we don't see the best fighters being good coaches. It's the guys not who always. just have a lot of knowledge, you sure. know, who had good careers but just, you know, might not have had the full talent to get over the top. I think Henry Cejudo is a good coach, but yeah. I don't know that he's a good cornerman. He doesn't right. go in the corner, but I think you have to have that self-recognition. Again, you you could probably be a good fighter and a good coach, but dude, just being in somebody's corner, I just, I would be losing my mind. Like I, I couldn't do it, yeah. <laughs> especially if it's somebody I cared about. I'd be losing my mind. <laughs> like it would be insane. So, right. uh, but nonetheless, it was a cool moment. Uh, really sucks. Uh, but again, like I said, we can't be mad because this, the three guys or parties that could have made it happen. This is what they chose. Well, if we ever, if it ever does, we know this will be the trailer. They'll have that scene of them talking to each other with some dramatic music behind it. And then we'll see the Indianapolis skyline. Oh, dude. In Indianapolis. (laughs) At the field house. Uh, Real quick, based off of that card, too, in this whole world of cross-promotion fights, I would love to see Larissa Pacheco fight any girl. She's scary. I would have loved seeing her and Amanda at this point. Like The way that her stand-up is, she's looking looking good at featherweight. There is no featherweight division now in the UFC. But, uh, yeah, she's one scary female. That is for sure. Uh, moving into 
UFC news after some tweets went out Wednesday that Conor McGregor had not only not re-entered the testing pool for USADA, but if he wanted to fight in 2023, his only option at this point would have been UFC 296, as that's the final pay-per-view of the year. And as of last Wednesday, Conor only had 48 hours to re-enter the pool. Friday, this past uh, Friday. Yeah, this past yeah. Friday, to make that deadline, needing six months in the pool and two negative tests. Right. Um, there were rumors of him no longer wanting to fight Michael Chandler and possibly exploring other options. Mm-hmm. And then the next day. Well, so it's like right there. So that's, and to my knowledge, I, I literally looked it up about an hour ago. There's nothing that says that he did or did not submit the sample on Friday. But especially with what you're about to get into, I'm, I'm going to guess it did not happen. Because I feel like, I think Aaron Bronstetter put out the last tweet and basically just the commission just said they weren't going to comment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that he submitted, but he, his deadline was Friday. Right. So, and I don't think he made that deadline now, meaning that he will not fight this year. Right now we do know they make exceptions. There could be exemptions, which could be why they're, it's happened a lot. I mean, a couple times with Brock more recently that I remember. Um, well, and with what you're about to get right. to, they could use that as an excuse for an extension or exemption. Which just makes the story. Just, yeah. So, so uh, the next day happens, uh, which would be last Thursday. TMZ puts out a report that Connor is accused of sexually assaulting a woman in a bathroom at the NBA Finals game that we referenced last week where they had the mishap with the mascot. Uh, obviously, Connor's legal team is denying any foul play. Uh, the initial report is that Connor forced a woman into the restroom and then Miami Heat security blocked the door. Since this report, there has been a video released of the interaction. It doesn't quite play out that same way, but obviously we don't know all the details. They said this, the security also forced her in. I don't okay. know if it was Connor. Because yeah. then Connor was in the video. So... We obviously have to tread lightly here, right? Right. You you know, this is a very real and sensitive topic. And um, the thing is, if any of those accusations that this this woman is making against him are true, it's disgusting. And he needs to be obviously punished accordingly for that. And and the accusations, unfortunately, they should be taken seriously. And I only say unfortunately because we do see situations where people are falsely accused. But... You also see people um, that are trying to not, not I don't want to say whistleblower. That's a bad word because that sounds negative. But they're trying to say like, hey, I was assaulted and then it's not taken seriously. So it should be taken seriously right. if it is true. But the video comes out. You know, she said the whole story about uh, she was basically drug in. The video evidence shows none of that. She said she was separated from her friend. You see her friend walking in. Then there's video of after the alleged incident happened and her and Connor are still just kind of hanging out and partying. She's just Mm -hmm. sitting there, you know, not going, calling the police, asking for help, running away. She's just sitting there on a table dancing, kind of hanging out with him. But the thing is, we don't know. We don't even know if that video was from that. I mean, there's nothing even that says that video was from that night or that was, that could have been a month ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, same thing with her sitting there. That could have been before the incident happened. We just don't know. Um, so, it's you're kind of speaking in hypotheticals here, but I think the biggest thing that I can say too is a lot of people, you know, obviously like, Oh, for his wife. And like, I can't believe he would do that. But you know, like, it's like I told you guys, you know, Sean O'Malley is a guy that has an open marriage, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, openly sleeps with other women and his wife knows about it and is okay with it. So we, again, it's not anything I would, you know, that's not how I live my life or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't find that normal. Um, but we don't know Connor and D's relationship either. So, right. you know, is it wrong to an extent? Yes. But who's to say they don't have an open marriage or that she's not okay with it again, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't even want to touch on that. To me, the biggest thing is, um, 
Conor McGregor continuously finding himself in these situations, again, whether they're real or not, uh, you're kind of putting yourself by taking random women into a bathroom at a basketball game. Like, in front I don't, of hundreds of people yeah, just standing like, around just, you, man. I mean, whether your wife's okay with it, whether you're, you know, hopefully not assaulting her, but, like, just... You're, you're, you're who you are, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I guess maybe that's why he feels he can do what he wants, but to continuously put yourself in these situations to have these accusations made against you, do I think they're all false? Yeah, probably not. I mean, some of them got to be true to an extent, right? Because right. they're not all, you know, you don't just, and they're all kind of similar, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of assault things, there's been women things, um, but innocent until proven guilty, and that's right. how I feel about that. But, uh, you know, you're a professional athlete, you know, we're... Um, close to maybe a big massive fight you have a show on espn right now that's running mm -hmm. every week on on you know primetime espn right now like just make better decisions man yeah. like you know what i mean so I, I think to me like what we can see what we do know to me that's my biggest thing is like you just continuously find yourself in these situations man mm -hmm. it's just not a good look at all right. i mean whether the accusations are true or not that's for people beyond us to figure out and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, um, that's probably the most disappointing as, as even as a Connor fan is like, just like same thing with how it was with John Jones. Like just stop finding yourself like you're, right. your worst. I just don't, I don't comprehend that like mindset of like just mm -hmm. being your own worst enemy. Does it seem like there's, uh, um, does it seem like they're outliers to you guys as far as like the pool, the population of like, let's say the top 25% UFC fighters that are like pretty famous, right? Sure. So your mm -hmm. names, do you feel like it's their outliers in that most of the people in that 25% do a good job of kind of staying on the straight and narrow, or at least staying out of that negative yeah. limelight? Mm -hmm. Do you think those guys like Connor and John Jones, it's just something about them that I think when you're just a fighter, man, people just treat you different. Probably. I mean, I'm just guessing, you know, I don't know, but you, mm -hmm. I mean, just being a celebrity in general, you get treated different, but then being a fighter when 99.9% .9 of the people that you interact with know that you can kick their ass. Um, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they probably, you probably get treated a little differently and people just kind of like, Ooh, I'm going to go stay away. Or uh, they just want to be around you in the opposite form, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think it almost like when you're at that level, I think you just kind of build a false sense of security. Like you're almost untouchable in a yeah. sense, you know what I mean? Well, and they do say that, you know, money brings out the real version of somebody or like the fame like that type of you know maybe you have to be a little bit more humble before but i mean connor doesn't have to do anything else ever again in his yeah. whole life like he has generational wealth um and you know he doesn't even have to play the game of getting people to like him sure he's a brand you yeah. know and not very many guys can say that but i also kind of leans toward you know when we, we were talking about some things earlier in the year about the percentage of ufc fighter or mma fighters with you know the abuse and stuff like that to where it's like you know these these guys kind of come from a pool of people that you know statistically do do things like this mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like I said, I, I don't really want to get into the whole investigation of it because that's the truth will come out in that mm -hmm. and stuff. And, and and you can kind of see it and take it for what it is and draw your own conclusions, I guess. But, yeah, that's just my biggest thing. Like, dude, just yeah. how do you continuously just find like, again, you're like you said, John, like you're around hundreds of people. You're at like there's no way like you need that right now. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you can wait an hour or two hours for the game to get over. Like, but when you're him, maybe you're not even seeing any of these other people. That's what I think it is. That's yeah. You're just, I think you just elevate. living in this bubble that yeah. other people don't even know. You don't know other people exist. Well, that's what's kind of like too. like the people in the crowd, they were like moaning and groaning. Cause they all were like trying to get to the bathroom and they're like, dude, come on, man. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so clearly he had been in there for a while or something, but yeah, 
had to talk about it. Obviously, it was uh, some pretty big news. Well, and to reference that back to the whole him not getting in USADA, if this drags out and he you know gets clear of it, I could see that being like, a, oh, well, he couldn't get back in because he was fighting this, right. and now he doesn't have to do the whole six months again. We'll so, see. Um, last bit I got is some fight announcements. We now know Max Holloway's potential last opponent at 145 as he will be facing Korean zombie Chung Sung Jung in August in Singapore. Um, it's the one fight that Max kind of asked for mm-hmm. post his last fight, and it's one of those ones that we talked about that just kind of makes sense in between time. Well, it really doesn't. I mean, what we kind of, what I kind of said, if if I remember though, was just more like, look, it, it's Max, it's the Korean Zombie. If they want to fight, you kind of just gotta let them do it. Mm-hmm. But it really just makes no sense, you know, mm-hmm. especially when there's so many matchups. For, like, like we just went through Chandler, Fizee. Well, if you're not gonna do 55, the only 45 matchup that probably makes sense is Korean. But zombie. that's the thing. Like, why not just go to 55? But what do you? And what do you? Yeah. Okay, let's he beat Zombie. Go now. What? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just. A, it's tough because Max, like I said, Max is Max Zombie. Like, you're talking two legends. So it's like, you can't really get in the way of that, I think, is kind of what they were. Because mm-hmm. even Dana was just like, do you guys really want to see that fight? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I'm kind of surprised they made it. But, uh, you know, uh, Singapore has is, is proven to be a big market. Mm-hmm. And they probably just needed a big fight. And it's going to sell a lot of tickets there. It'll be big locally. Obviously, right. um, we're all going to watch it. It's probably still going to be a crazy fight, but right. I'll yeah. be interested to hear what Max has to say after though, when they say what's next for Max Holloway, it's gotta be one fifty-five. Yeah. Man. I mean, he, and he even kind of said as yeah. much in his interview with Ariel Hawani. Yeah, so there's just nothing left. Um, also announced Corey Sanhagen will be fighting Umar Nurmagomedov to headline UFC Nashville fight night. Uh, Corey with just the, the balls of steel, man, to step up and fight this guy. When it, you know it's kind of similar to what's happening with the Sarukian thing, you know, giving a guy a chance, but Umar's just in a whole different level of that, and you know, you getting a win over an Amaga Madoff is always a dub. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was what Corey had to say about it. Fifth against Umar Nurmagomedov. I'm getting a lot of haters saying, "Why would you fight this far down in the rankings? He's gonna beat my ass." Blah blah blah. Two reasons. One, Umar's a great fighter, and I'm not trying to be world champ if I'm not the actual best in the entire world. So fighting Umar is a great challenge, and I accept it. And number two, because I'm a beast, bitch. That's why. <laughs> Peace. Peace. I love the. I mean, you can't argue. I mean, that's Corey. Say, how do you not love this yeah, guy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, what a fight that's going to be. And, hey, like I said, like, you know, like I kind of said earlier with um, Cannoneer and, and Hamzad, it's like, I mean, if that's what gets you back and you've already been to the mountaintop, and, I mean, mm-hmm. what a statement win that would be if if uh, Corey can find a way to uh, crack that code. because yeah, nobody's even made Umar look regular at all. Yeah. Well, the way he looked against Cheeto in his last fight, man, I mean, yeah. that's going to be an exciting Oof. fight because that was a just, good Corey Sanhagen, man. I mean, he was wait. sharp. I just can't wait. Sharp. I uh, cannot wait. Jeff Neal will be welcoming welterweight prospect Ian Machado Gary to the top rankings as they fight at UFC 292. That's a tough fight for Ian Gary, man. Yeah. Wow. What a, a, that's a big jump. And if he can pull it off, the train just keeps going. Yeah, because Jeff Neal hasn't fought since Shavkat, right? Right. So, and I mean... He's number 11, or is he 11 or 15? I don't know, but dude, he looked so good in that Shavkat fight yeah. as well. I mean, 
you know, he obviously lost, but uh, we're also talking about Shavkat. Yeah, I mean, just looked really competitive. That's a tough fight for Ian Gary. That's going to be again another phenomenal match. And on a good, I mean, the two ninety two card is already yeah. stacked. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, at heavyweight, the UFC Paris now has a main event. As Surreal Gone will look to bounce back against surging Sergey Spivak September second in Paris. Man, dude, Paris was just so fun with uh, Surreal and Tuivasa. Yeah. I totally get why they're going with Surreal again here. That crowd was fantastic, and putting Surreal back on top of that card is its going to be fun. Yeah, and him and Tanner are going to go. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Yeah. That is but, I mean, Spivak's a tough match. I mean, his level of He's wrestling good, is going to be – we're going to have to see Gon make some big uh, jumps there, but that's all I got for the news. Couldn't so. agree more. John, you got Song of the Week. All right, well, for Song of the Week, I'm going to go Bone Thugs and Harmony for the love of money. Another another favorite of Brandon's. Yeah, I actually do know Bone Thugs and Harmony. I've heard, <laughs> heard that before. Bone, bone, bone. I for love the it. love of money. I love it. Brandon, what's your one for the people? Low hanging fruit. Um, oh. Happy Valor's Day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, happy Valor's Day to all the dads out there. Um, yeah. And then, I know this is a little one for me. I, so this next Saturday, I'm taking my, my licensure test. So, like, mm-hmm. totally boring for all you listeners. But for me, this is, like, potentially the last time I'll ever have to take it testing in the Wait, rest of my life. This coming Saturday? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be it's a it's a massive test for me. Mm-hmm. Like like biggest one of my life. What, so did what you say deal? it's the last one unless you want to get your Yeah, unless I want to go further with my education, but that's a different that's a different thing. Yeah. So uh what time is it? Eight AM. Okay, so you'll get to watch the cards. Yeah, so I'll be miss. good. Yeah. <laughs> just making sure you weren't gonna miss the fight. No, I'll be know? fine. There's more important things. Yeah. How much pressure is a test like that? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like, a, a buddy was asking me, like, are you nervous? And I was like, no, not really. He's like, why? I was like, well, I'm pretty sure my mom's still going to love me if I fail it. Like, and I just take it again. Oh, but, well, maybe not. But it is expensive. It's but like well, Bryce. Three, well, I don't know. But it's like 300 bucks. So it's one of those you don't want to fail it. Take it again. Yeah. You, have to, you have to go to Indy, right? Yeah, I have to go to Indy. How long do you think it's going to take you? It's a four-hour test. How long are you going to get it done? How long is it going to take you? The, the last time I had a test like that, two years ago, I had three and a half hours to take it. I got it done in, like, Almost two hours. It was really, really fast. I passed it, but mm. that's scary. Are you a good test taker? Uh, I'll say 50-50. That was my thing. I, I never I'm did terrible. homework, but I was really good at tests because I have like a um, photographic memory. I'm te- terrible. You have a photographic memory? Yeah. He said that on the pod live, right? So I can I can play this back. Yeah, I'll <laughs> clip it for you. I'll put it on the sound. <laughs> <laughs> You're not messing with me right now? No, I, all I would do to get ready for test is I would look at the study guide before we start, and when I read the question, I could see the answer. I don't understand because, like, you're like sometimes you'll walking. forget things with like fights. Yeah. Uh, how does fights this photo- photographs? What do you mean photographic memory? So if I just play, if I just, like show you a picture of a fight, you'll never lose that memory of the picture. I mean, I could, I could lose it, but uh, the way I do, the way I remember things mm-hmm. is I see a picture of it in my head. That'd be photographic memory, right? What? No, I don't know. I don't think that's what that is. Photographic memory to me means like you see it, it doesn't leave your mind. You'll always remember. I mean, I got so much stuff in my mind. Well, especially if it's photographic, I would think so. Right. So many photographs. (laughs) I don't think John owns a picture. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, dude, that's not true. (laughs) And he has an Android, so there's not even good quality pictures on that phone to begin with. That's also not true. (laughs) John sends you pictures and you have to like, is this zoomed in? Like, why is this so blurry? It's like when I use my flip phone and send stuff. Yeah. That's that's literally what it is. John, (laughs) he's going to die on this Android hill, man. Works out fine for me because you guys are going to get the mark of the beast, you say. His pictures are never going to get better. John, what's your one for the people? Uh, My one for the people is Happy Father's Day as well, but I also want to just say um, one of my... 
I wished I could have like a camera to go back a memory with my dad. He was my minor league baseball coach. Okay. And you know my dad. Sure. So imagining him getting trying to get these little kids to catch a ball, throw a ball, <laughs> run, hit the ball. It was one of the funniest things ever as I look back at it. So shout out to Pops for being a sports coach because not a lot of dads are cut out for that. That's true. It'd be like Kenny Powers. Oh, 100%. Brandon, I am for the first time. I, I haven't really got to reference check the video much on this. You have completely drifted out of frame. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> for, people that, <laughs> God, for people that don't know, uh, Brandon just never stays still. Yeah, I can't. You know, give me a spinny chair, man. Yeah, you gotta well, lock the wheels, we're dude. We're literally gonna have to take the wheels off of Brandon's chair. <laughs> That's my one for the people. These, this is a nightmare doing this pod week to week, and somehow we've done it 138 or some whatever times. Yeah, 138, <laughs> man. And we're still drifting out of frame. I love it. Alrighty, that's all we got. Come back next week. Uh, what's the following fight night? Pay per view? No. Are you sure? July? Oh, not July 18th. What do we got, John? We have. What's next? What's Strickland and Magomedov? That's yeah, a boost. That's a boost. Yeah, Magomedov. Hey, look. And Demir's back. Yeah, Demir. Grant Dawson. Yeah, so. yeah. I love it. We'll see you guys next Monday. Peace. Peace.